Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. Yes, sir, Lenny Gray whispered and turned to walk out of the store without the fabric. Come and get these rags off my countertop. I told you, I'd put it on Curly's account. Lenny Gray instructed Mary to go get the fabric. Once Mary had it, they walked out of the door and headed back home. Why didn't he take the money? Mary asked once they were a safe distance away. Maybe he feels guilty about not giving Curly no food for Christmas. I don't know. Why is he so mean? I keep asking God the same question, but he ain't so fit to give me an answer yet. He's just an old and evil man said Lenny Gray. The winds of change had just arrived in Tallahatchie County, but most were afraid of it, and others weren't willing to stay long enough to witness the slow birth of something new. The poor, young, and old all took their chances in mass numbers for a better life, wages, and opportunity in northern cities. The opportunity to work in a factory and earn money immediately was a risk worth taking. Those who remained behind didn't know what to make of the change. They were pessimists who were living with their mental emergency break on, hoping that very little would change so that they could continue on, uninterrupted, and with a minimal amount of thought given to their future. Lenny Gray sat on a rocking chair on her porch of her shanty, fanning herself with a piece of cardboard to keep her skin cool. Her hair was beginning to transition from black to silver. Her eyes had small puffy dough balls beneath them, and her ankles, knees, and belly were always swollen. The triplets, Martha, Leuna, and Christine, now three years old, played nearby on a patch of grass with a rag doll that Lenny had sewn for them. Willie, Bud, and Roosevelt had gone to the river to fish. Curly was at the rear of their shanty, replacing planks of rotted wood on the outhouse he'd built with scraps of lumber from an old and uninhabited shanty that had fallen down. Lenny Gray noticed a car approaching from the distance. She thought it was Mr. Bettis or one of his workers coming around to see if some new family had run off during the night. It began to slow down and finally turned and headed in her direction. Curly? Lenny Gray called out his name. When the vehicle stopped, a white couple got out. Good afternoon. 
the white man said as he reached back inside of the vehicle to grab his hat. Afternoon, Lenny Gray answered cautiously. She tried to sense if something bad had happened. Just last week over in Yazoo, some young black boy had been killed. Then, Lenny Gray thought about her boys, and fear snaked up her spine. But the fear didn't send her into a deep alarm. Usually, when someone had been killed, one-armed gravedigger John showed up. Lenny Gray had never seen the couple before, and from their accent, she knew that they were not from around these parts. Are you one of the family sharecropping on William Bettis' land? Asked the white lady as she adjusted her glasses. She was dressed in nice clothes, the likes of which Lenny Gray had never seen before. The woman had on a navy blue skirt that had a hemline that stopped just below her knees. She had on a matching top that buttoned up the front. She wore a stylish hat and had on crimson lipstick. Yes, ma'am, Lenny Gray answered. Oh, how rude of us, the woman said as she approached. My name is Lily Walters, and this here is Harry Foster. We work for the United States government. Lily extended her hand for Lenny Gray to shake it. Is that right? Well, what can I do for y'all? Lenny Gray asked, noticing how soft and smooth the woman's hands felt. It wasn't rough and calloused from years of picking cotton like hers. The woman had a sweet scent like tulips in the spring. The scent contrasted with Lenny Gray's, which often smelled like sweat and hard labor. Well, ma'am, Harry said, we're here to do something for you. Lenny Gray eyed them both suspiciously. No one ever wants to do anything for colored folks. She tried to process what their foolishness was all about. I don't want nothing, Lenny Gray said. And we ain't got no money to buy anything you trying to sell either. Ma'am, we're not selling anything, said Lily. Do you mind if I sit next to you? No, Lenny Gray uttered, although she did mind. She thought one thing inwardly, but said something else outwardly. Lily sat down on a chair that was positioned next to Lenny Gray and took a look around. Why, what lovely children. I hadn't noticed them before. Lily mentioned and then waved. Layuna, Martha, and Christine stood side by side with their arms looped around each other and waved back. Ma'am, is your husband around? asked Harry. Yeah, he's around back. Curly? Lenny Gray shouted out his name again. Moments later, Curly appeared. Woman, why is you calling my name like... When Curly saw that they had visitors, he stopped fussing. Good afternoon, sir. Harry walked over. He extended his hand. Name's Harry Foster. Curly wiped his hands on the pant leg of his overalls, looked at the ground, and refused to shake Harry's hand. Uh, uh, pleased to meet you, Curly murmured, wondering what he wanted. Uh, my name's Curly. I-, I do something wrong or something wrong with your car? You lost or something? Harry laughed and then shoved his hand into his pocket. There's nothing wrong with the car. It's brand new. And you've done nothing wrong, sir. Curly looked at Harry and realized that he wasn't from around there, especially when he called Curly, sir, and not boy. Uncharacteristically, Curly relaxed a little and got curious. What kind of car is it? Curly began admiring the vehicle from afar. Why, it's a 42 Buick Century, government issued, answered Harry. That's a mighty fine car, Curly said admiringly. 
Well, you can have one just like it one day, Harry said, as if he were certain of the possibility. Oh, oh no, that ain't gonna never happen. I'm serious, Curly. We're here to make you an offer to help people like you do better in life. We want to change your living conditions. Is, is, is that right? Curly stammered. He moved closer to Lenny Gray and his children. Curly prepared himself to defend them if they were being taken away. Curly? They ain't say what they selling, but I ain't figured out exactly what they looking for either. Ma'am, Curly greeted Lily. Hello, sir. My name's Lily. She walked over and extended her hand. Curly looked downward and didn't return the gesture. He had never met a white woman who was bold enough to want to touch him. It's all right, sir. I grew up on a North Dakota farm. A working man's handshake doesn't bother me, Lily said, insisting. Nice to meet you, Miss Lily. Wouldn't be right for me to shake your hand. If something like that got out that I did that, I could get killed. Curly's stammer became more pronounced and filled with anxiety. No one's going to say anything, Lily promised. It's okay. You don't have to shake my hand. Wanting to assure Lily and Harry that he and his family were pitiful, with humility, Curly said, We just poor folks. We ain't got nothing y'all want, and we don't have nothing y'all need, and we don't know nothing about anything. Curly, wouldn't you like to own your own farm? Harry asked. We, 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 we ain't allowed to, sir. Curly began to feel overwhelmed by emotions that were stirring inside of his chest. Over the years, he had never made the connection that his belief about land ownership was a false one, even though his son-in-law Elmo owned his own land. In his mind, he was still stuck in 1918 when Mr. Bettis took the cars and told him and his father that they could never own land. Curly, all of that's changing now. President Roosevelt has authorized the release of federal land to help sharecroppers like yourself prosper. If you accept our offer, we'll rent you a plot of land and give it to you. The government will build a house on it for you, and you can farm it and sell your own crops. At the end of the year, you pay the government a portion of your profits. That sounds all good and nice, but that kind of thing ain't for folks like us, Curly assured him. Government don't care nothing about us. My daddy told me that the government turned their backs on us back in 1876. Harry looked over at Lily, who shrugged her shoulders as if to say she didn't understand. Then it hit Harry. He realized what Curly was talking about. You're talking about the Great Compromise of 1876. Sir, that was during the Reconstruction Era and a long time ago. Things are different now. The world is changing, and we're here to help that change happen. Uh, don't much change happen around here, sir. Ain't no change happen around here since I got here back in 1918. It's okay. I've been getting along fine. I'm able to feed my children and keep them safe. That's all I want. Curly, change has just arrived at your doorstep. The kind of opportunity I have for you and your family is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I'm talking about a government-funded program specifically for people like you. With all due respect, sir. I'm sure my wife done told you, we ain't got no money to do anything with. To build with, or to buy seeds to plant crops with, said Curly. Lily chimed in and said, Curly, the government understands that and is offering credit to help people like you get started. We ain't never heard of anything like that, said Lenny Gray, completely shocked. Ma'am, hold on a second. 
said Lily. She walked back to her car and returned with a clipboard and a packet of documents. Everything you want to know about the program is right in here. We could read through it right now if you want to, said Lily, not realizing that she'd inadvertently made Lenny Gray and Curly feel the sting of being illiterate. Uh, we'll read through it on our own if it's all the same to you, Curly said, accepting the packet. Well, okay. We'll give you folks a few days to go through the stuff and come back and answer any questions you might have, said Harry. Thank you, Curly mumbled. Well, it's a really good program and one that you should take advantage of. Harry paused. Well, you folks have a great day. Uh, uh, you do the same. Lily and Harry smiled as they moved towards their car. Once inside, Lily waved to Leyuna, Martha, and Christine again as she and Harry drove away. <laughs>